Welcome to the Hopeless Wonder podcast with me, Adam Gipke, Craig Rogers, and Andy McBride. And if you happen to be watching us live right now, say hello and make your thoughts known as we go along. So, uh, interesting lot of results we had since our last pod. Um, we're going to have to go far back as uh, last Wednesday, Thursday, but um, let's introduce our co-hosts. So, we'll start off with yourself, Andy. Uh, obviously, not great results for your team, but more importantly, mate, how you've been doing anyway? Yeah, I mean, apart from sort of watching my team, uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, keeping well, thank you. As you can expect, I'm in very jubilant moods, and uh, I think that's the same for us and Craig as well. So, congratulations, Craig. Uh, we will obviously talk about that famous result, but uh, more importantly, mate, how are you doing as well? I'm really, really good, mate. Yeah, um, watched that on Thursday night and then on Friday morning flew out to Berlin to celebrate my, my dad's 60th. We're all the family yeah. as well. Son was out all weekend. So yeah, good, some good museums, good beers. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling jubilant, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. I, I love the fact that you mentioned the beers at the end as well. So uh, <laughs> that sums up Berlin very nicely. So uh, let's go around the houses and talk about story of the weekend. So if I start off with yourself, Craig, what was your story of the weekend? Or should I say, is it the week as well? Uh, it would have to be, a, 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 we're, we're going to talk about it later on. Rangers qualifying for the, the mm. Europa League final is, is massive. So we'll talk about it later on. But a special mention to favourites of the pod, Schalke. Um, yes, Schalke yeah. came from 2-0 down at the weekend to 1-3-2 against St Pauli. Um, fellow sort of promotion contenders to to win the Bundesliga's fight. So, mm. yeah, Schalke are back. I don't know what they'll do next season. But sort of a, a host, but yeah, <laughs> welcome back to, to Top Flight Football Schalke. Yeah, it's an interesting story about Schalke because they're still in huge amounts of debt, but somehow they managed to curb the uh, Hamburg effect and make it first time round yeah. back into the Bundesliga. So it'll be a very interesting season from them. What about yourself, Andy? I think the uh, if you go to uh, League Two, where um, in the very unlikely scenario, Bristol Rovers yes. had to win by seven goals to uh, get promoted. It was absolute carnage. Um, I think because they're playing Stevenage, who are already relegated. Scunthorpe. Um, Scunthorpe, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Scunthorpe are already relegated and put out basically uh, a team of kids, I think is the best way I could put it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, they ended up going, going up and told different. So I thought for a minute, because they towards the end of the game all the crowds started going onto the pitch and apparently the referee made a warning that you know if, if they do it again <laughs> they'll abandon the game can you imagine that scoring seven goals and getting the game abandoned but yeah I, I don't think Northampton Town were particularly happy 
about it by all no. accounts. You know, there's yeah. there's a whole you know, had this been in Italy or something like that, uh, <laughs> you, you'd have people in the comments like making certain accusations. But yeah, um, I think that's just what happens when you've got one team of everything to play for and another team of absolutely nothing. So uh, yeah, so. Yeah, they had a difficult season last year when they got relegated. So, yeah, I think all's uh, yeah. well that ends well. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of love for Bristol Rovers, but not their manager in this instance. Uh, they didn't want that result to go in his favour anyway. But, uh, yeah, they managed to somehow pull it out of the bag uh, to the disgust of Northampton. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> let me bring in my story of the weekend. And, yeah, I have to talk about my own club. I'm just going to be biased and just do it anyway. So Wickham Wanderers have made it to Wembley. Uh, absolutely loving it. Uh, obviously, it was the worst 90 minutes of my life. Uh, we absolutely were shitting it at times, I think it's fair to say, um, especially after 25 minutes when Troy Parrott had his looping header go over David Stockdale into the goal. Um, but yeah, we made it despite the fact that, uh, you know, sporting integrity was at question from MK Dons by the fact that they separated our fans into two corners. Um, apparently it was made way because chemical romance are performing at the MK Dons stadium and that's why they couldn't give us the bottom tier as well in terms of additional seats. But uh, regardless of that, we make it into the final and we do face our favourite Netflix combination, which is Sunderland. Uh Obviously, they made it through with a one or one all result against Sheffield Wednesday on the night, but they went through 2-1. Um, so it does make for an interesting final. It has to be said, obviously, Sunderland are trying to gun their little curse that they've got at Wembley. And for us, it's just going to be a good day out. Uh, I know uh, Craig will be joining me on this adventure. So uh, we will be having plenty of beers on that train down. So it uh, should be a very messy one. And I'm sure I'll document that somewhere on Instagram as well. So uh, it should be good laugh. But uh, we did also get this question from Mon Sportif asking if I have my tickets for the final and our chair boy is going to pull it off. Um, so the first question is, my uh, phase of tickets start from tomorrow. Uh, I qualify as the second phase ticket, so I'll be purchasing that from 10 a.m. onwards, whenever it takes, uh, because I've heard of lots of difficulties with this. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual game itself, I'm still feeling very confident. I feel like, obviously, it's Akinfenwa's last game, uh, last ever game in football. And uh, yeah, I've just... I, I'm going to say it on the pod. I predict he's going to score the winner. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I can see it. A 40-year-old is going to come on with five minutes to go and he's going to score the winner. Um, but I'll be interested in your thoughts as well because it's been announced this evening that the Football League are looking to introduce VAR for all of the league playoff finals. Um, it's caused a bit of a stir, it has to be said, because obviously some fans feel it should be introduce at least at a semi-final stage if they were going to go ahead with VAR. Um, do you feel that the final is the right stage to implement VAR? Just out of curiosity, if start off with yourself, Andy. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's, um, you know, it's a one-off, it's a one-off game, the playoff final. So it's no like sporting integrity harmed in any way. I don't think as a result of that. So, and I think, you know, you wouldn't want to, be denied a place 
you know, in, in the championship because of like an elbow to the face that the referee missed and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see any particular issue with it, to be honest with you. Like if it was any other sort of cup final, like an FA Cup or a League Cup or anything like that, they'd probably have it. So, yeah, I don't see the issue. Okay. And what about yourself, Craig? Uh, and I'm glad they've got it in for the final. All you can do is you wouldn't, you would hate to see a team um, not be promoted after a really long hard season because of a, a decision that hasn't been seen. I think the semi-finals probably would be the place to do it if you're going to do it for mm. it at all. But you know, the finals is as good a place as any to bring it in. And um, yeah, because you know, promotion to the championship is huge, and it's you know livelihoods on the line. Um, so you'd hate to see it done by um, a dodgy decision. So yeah, I'm happy to see it brought in. My first ever VAR game, actually, which will be interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have to say, though, I am probably going to be opposite to both of you and say I'm going to hate it because that wait to confirm a goal or penalty is going to do my head in. So for that reason alone, I'm going to say no. Um, <laughs> and uh, Andy has just made me aware that a certain Harry Kane has scored for Spurs. So Ooh. on this very moment that we are actually doing this pod, Arsenal are playing Spurs at Spurs and uh, Harry Kane has duly obliged with an early goal. So uh, we'll be keeping a note on results or scores as they take place. Anyway, let's move on to uh, last week's semi-finals. We have not just the Champions League, but the Europa and the Europa Conference League to cover off as well. But let's start off with yourself, Craig. Obviously a delightful result by Rangers. Um, I think Leipzig looks like uh, sheep in headlights basically moments they were stunned a lot of their like players were saying after the match how overawed they were by the experience you shared on twitter and through our whatsapp group a lot of the scenes even i think the best one was uh, i think it was the cameraman and seeing him shake or him trying to stabilize this probably a thousand pounds worth of equipment <laughs> whilst the ibrox ground was shaking um but you must be buzzing uh, absolutely thrilled um, to bets. Unfortunately, I couldn't. I couldn't get up for the game, but my my good friend Sean took my season ticket and went along and, and said that it was probably the best atmosphere that he's ever ever had. Mm. And that's the theme from a lot of Rangers fans. A lot of people who were there in two thousand and eight. Um, I had my ticket back then, and I was at the semi final against Fiorentina. And I don't know whether it was because it was the first leg or because of the style of football that we played. It was a really tense near the nil-nil draw and none of us enjoyed it really being there that night I remember it very clearly it was horrible actually to sit and watch that semi-final but I think the fact that the final was the second leg was at Ibrox this time they've been playing really really well um and a chance to go through it and the Ibrox crowd played a part I said last week mm. on the pod that it was about a 50 50 chance and I, I felt that if we got an early goal the crowd would be absolutely right behind them and it would spook the Leipzig players and that's that's how it turned out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Leipzig players and, and manager have come out and said, no, listen, we've, we've never really experienced anything like that before. Um, really young team. And yeah, it's a really, I kind of call me a cliche, but the 12th man absolutely was a yeah. thing uh, that, that game. And, and Ibrox is like that. So it's huge for us. I never thought I would see it again in my lifetime. I thought mm. 2008 under Walter Smith was, it was an absolute fluke. And listen, that was a dreadful route to the final. That was nil-nils anti-football, absolute shithouse all the way to the <laughs> final, but, but this run under Van Bronckhorst, mm. the top goal scorers in the tournament, most recovered balls, passes in the final third, duels won, it's, a, it's been a really dominant Rangers side in Europe again this season, and playing really, really good football, and not you know, scraping 
dodgy results and wins and winning on penalties and all these other things that we did in 2008. We've gone out there and, yeah. and you know, absolutely played Dortmund off the park over two legs, beat Braga. Um, we had to defend well in Leipzig, but that game last Thursday, mm. we absolutely battered them uh, for, for a semi-final. So, absolutely delighted. Clubs from, from countries like Scotland are not supposed to get to finals like this. UEFA brought in the, the playoff round so that the, the second place teams had to play Champions League dropouts to make mm. sure that teams like Rangers didn't get to the final. So to be there against all odds is just absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, we'll maybe talk about it later on, but some of the lengths that Rangers fans are going to to get to to Seville is, is quite phenomenal. So, Well, let, let's just talk about it. And uh, before we do that, just to kind of reiterate the point about how successful Rangers have been, James Tavernier is your top goal scorer, isn't he, for this competition? James James Tavernier is the top goal scorer for, for the entire competition. So he's, I think he's on seven or eight goals now, and there's no one yeah. from Frankfurt that are ever that are really, really close. So James Tavernier likely will finish the tournament the top goal scorer. The last time that was done in a European competition was Ronald Koeman in 93 mm. 94, which shows you how rare that is. Um, so James Tavernier. I think he's on to 34 um, goal involvements um, this season, which is the highest of any Englishman other than Harry Kane, I think, at this moment in time. Um, so, yeah, Taverners have one of those seasons where, um, yeah, he's just so, so reliable and chances created in goal scoring. He drifts into that back post like like a centre forward. Um, yeah. It really, really is. And I think he's unfortunate that he was born in a period where England have probably got three of the five best right backs yeah. in world football because... I think ten years ago, he's he's a starting England right back, so he's just unfortunate for that. But he's fantastic to do it all without Morelos or or Ken or Roof. Aaron Ramsey's still not fit, um, yeah. so yeah, that performance last last Thursday was amazing. But to just to touch on Rangers fans trying to get to to Seville, so you <laughs> cannot get you cannot get a flight for for love or money. EasyJet have cancelled all existing flights and are charging people more. So if you and your wife booked a, a weekend to Seville um, last year, then you're fucked then because you have cancelled it and they're trying to charge you and sell that for more. Um, I've seen Rangers fans on Twitter um, chartering private planes. So people say, I've, I've hired, a, I've, I've got as a Boeing 747. Uh, <laughs> that, so, so there are private planes going. Um, I know guys from, from my local bus where I grew up in Limwood who are flying out to Benidorm and spending four days out there and it's a six-hour bus trip into Seville. Um, I know two guys who are flying to Morocco and staying there and getting a ferry over to Cadiz and then driving from there. So, yeah, the the, the lengths that Rangers fans are going to to get... I mean, I went to Manchester in 2008, that was dead easy, just drove down the M6. But for these guys to to try and go over to Seville is just absolutely incredible. And, yeah, yeah, there'll be people sleeping in, in all sorts of situations over there uh, yeah, next weekend. Definitely. But, yeah, the, 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 the stadium... Um, I think it only holds 42,000. It's not a mm. great stadium for a final, particularly when you've got two clubs with a support like Rangers and Frankfurt. I mean, don't forget that Frankfurt took 30,000 to, to Barcelona uh, a month ago yeah. for that game. So I think they could have sold this stadium like three or four times over. Um, but yeah, Seville will be, uh, it'll be someplace next next Wednesday night. Yeah, Sunday. definitely. Yeah, and the Scots getting together for a drink. <laughs> yeah, there'll be some, some pretty, pretty funny scenes, I think. Some funny videos yeah. coming out there, but yeah, just absolutely so, so proud of the club and the, the the team. And yeah, domestically, it's not been a great season. We might, you know, finish with a, a Scottish Cup and a, a chance at um, a European title. So if you said to me, if you'd offer me that, if you'd have said, listen, Celtic will win the league, but you're 90 minutes against Frankfurt to win the Europa League, I think mm. I'd bit your hand off for that in, in August for the chance to, to do this. So yeah, can't, can't wait for it. Like you, like you with Beckham, a, a bit of a nervous yeah. excitement. I think 
I'm probably more nervous because we've actually got a chance. If you were playing, yeah, you know, a Barcelona somewhere you find, I think, oh, well, it's just a day out. Um, like we did with Zenit, because Zenit in 2008, they beat Bayern Munich in the semi, and we knew they were a really good team. That was the, the Andrea Shavin Zenit team. And we knew we didn't have a chance, but against Frankfurt, if we can put out Dortmund and put out Leipzig, then why why not? And I saw the brother, I just finished on the, a really, really funny tweet that says, if we manage to beat Frankfurt in the final, does that mean we get to go into the Bundesliga next season and get a Bayern Munich title race? Uh, which I thought was very, very funny. But, um, but yeah, looking forward to the podcast next week because yeah, might be, yeah. I might still be drunk from that. Yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And I did see kind of very similar sentiments around you're facing the boss stage of the Bundesliga next week, <laughs> or next stage, should I say. Um, and if we quickly allude to the other semi-finals of Frankfurt, obviously going through against West Ham, obviously I think the damage was done in the first leg, um, but there was a lot being made of uh, what happened afterwards in the tunnel as well, in particular Declan Rice calling out the ref. Um, but yeah, uh, generally, just I think this is where we probably said it on the last pod. They're just yeah, they haven't got the legs at this stage. They were in desperate need of some backups. They didn't secure that for whatever reason, and it's costing them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we said it. We said it. You know, on a couple of different pods that they just you know, Michael Antonio has been like we were put in, put, walking around in a wheelchair during the week and put out for a game on Saturday. Um, I think they felt they felt like they were quite hard done by because obviously you got the red card mm. in the uh, the first leg. Um, I think they've just felt that over the course of the two legs, decisions haven't gone their way. Um, I think, and I think that's where maybe some West Ham fans might be thinking, well, maybe if we had a couple of extra players come in, uh, they might have fared a little bit better. But, that, you know, that's all the ifs and buts at the end of the day. I think I'm surprised Declan Rice hasn't landed himself in a bit more trouble. Because uh, mm. if he'd have said what he said after a Premier League game, I think it's fair to say he'd have been uh, getting a few phone calls. But that yeah. seems to have died down, thankfully for him, because he mm. literally just straight up accused him <laughs> yeah. of corruption. Like there was no like subtle wording about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was almost like you know when like Jude Bellion made that crack about the yeah. referee. Um, you know, have it been done for match fixing in the future, but no, he literally went straight up to the referee, gone, You're cheating, mate. Uh, I mean, I've got Tamara's balls to do it, but it, make, it does make you wonder though whether that goes on in the tunnel more often than we think. But Probably, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's yeah, but I think West Ham have done really, really well to get to the semi finals, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know that I don't think they would have envisaged that at the beginning of the season, especially with uh, the quite wafer thin squad that they've got. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think they're still. I think their objective now would be to get that seventh place, uh, secure themselves. I think I think it's Europa Conference League for seventh place, and yeah. hopefully because uh, they had a bit of investment through a Czech partnership, a Czech businessman who's gone mm. coming to the ownership group, and maybe that will allow them to uh, do some stuff during the summer. Yeah, definitely. Um, if we also go back to yourself, Craig, jubilant scenes seen in Rome as well. So Roma fans yeah. have made a major final. Obviously, I, I can sense that they're very excited um, and I can see it's a priority because Mourinho has decided to lose the games in the league deliberately to save his players <laughs> up, I can see. Um, but yeah, it has to be said, Roma have done a fantastic job and they face Feyenoord in the final. So uh, again, you must be looking forward to that as well. Tactical genius, Mourinho. Does that, <laughs> does that, that, does that mean that he says this is football heritage? 
Uh, this is what must be what he's talking about. So, mm. yeah, listen, the, the conference room was was kind of was kind of frowned upon and looked down at at, um, at the early stages. But I thought it's I think it's had, had some really good games in there. I think two good semi finals, Marseille and, and Feyenoord, um, yeah. and Leicester and, and Roma, and. Yeah, Roma haven't been in a final, I think, I think 91, 92, somewhere like that. It's, it's been an awful long time since they've been in a, mm. a final of a European tie. So, uh, And they haven't won anything for a long, long time as well. So I think for, for Mourinho and for Roma and for Roma fans, it's something that they're absolutely, absolutely buzzing for. And um, yeah, but yeah, Feyenoord are a good, a good outfit. Rangers played them a couple of years ago and they were, they were pretty tidy back then. So yeah, that'd be another good one. I think that's the week after. I think that's two weeks. Um, two weeks from now, I think that's the Wednesday before the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. So yeah, three. I think all three finals really are going to be really, really good. There's, and usually sometimes you get, you know, a final. I think if it was Liverpool versus Man City, I think I'd be a lot less excited about the Champions yeah. League final for, for that example. But it's it's teams that we don't see play each other often. Um, I would never, I would never have thought that Rangers or Frankfurt would have been in the Europa League final. Um, I didn't really fancy Roma to get to the Conference League final either, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I think that's three, three European finals that people can really, really get behind. And I think the European, the Europa Conference League. I think, yeah, despite people take the piss a little bit again, and I think it's been a competition that's been largely enjoyed mm. by majority of fans. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually given prevalence to smaller clubs as well. And to actually, and I think it reminds me of the League Cup, or Winners' Cup, the equivalent basically back mm-hmm. in the day. So, you know, that that is really epic. But let's talk also about the fact that we saw the Man City Real Madrid uh, semi final. Uh, it is going to be Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Um, Andy, I can see you're smiling. Um, so let's go with you. Uh, what did you make of that particular uh, semi final? Oh, it was. I think over the two legs, that is genuinely one of the best semi-finals I've seen. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of what you. It's just a dream where you've got two top top teams. They're both, you know, mm. the best in the best in La Liga and the Premier League respectively. And they just, you know, it, the game plan sometimes just it just went out the window. It was just straight up chaos. Mm. Uh, I think um, I think Real Madrid boys had this ability that they could. They look like sometimes they they haven't got a grip of the game and they're, they're losing it and you sort of think you know oh they could get battered here and I think certainly the first thing they probably could have done but yeah. they've just got this ability to pull something out they've just got the personnel to pull something out the bag mm. um, out of nowhere um, you know Rodrigo's um, had a really big influence um, over the two legs I mean to get I mean he nearly had a hat trick. In in yeah. the first half of in in ninety minutes alone, he could have had a hat trick. I think, yeah, and I think with um, you know, I think with with Man City as well. I think Jack Grealish, like he's had probably a less than ideal first season at um, Manchester City. He hasn't really contributed in the way that he wants to, and that was the kind of big ticket game where you know had he um, had he had he scored on the big couple of chances that he had. Um, and he scored on the big couple of chances that he had. The, the, the result could have been different. Uh, I did find it funny, though, that um, all over Twitter, on like BT Sport and ESPN and things like that, they were literally like, um, oh, by the way, uh, you know, City are through, it's done, it's over, because also Mares mm. scored that goal. And he had a shit game, but he scored a great finish. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, 
Now we're back Real Madrid to win it because one thing I just can't understand for the life of me, right, is that everybody's going, oh, Liverpool winning it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, Real Madrid literally played Liverpool in the Champions League last year. Uh, you know, not even like yeah. two years ago, it was literally last season. Beat them quite comfortably um, because because um, Liverpool's right back couldn't defend to save his life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I've beaten that club again. Uh, but yeah, I think um, I think it'd be a great final because, like you know, yeah. I've never been. I, I think it's a bit boring if it's an all English final. To be honest, like mm. um, you know, and I kind of need. Um, and you know, Real Madrid to win this just to shut the Liverpool fans up and you know, yeah, 100% bias in that, but I do not care because they will never shut up. You know, I think the fact they can go from being the greatest team in the universe to just League Cup with a 2022 would yeah. be quite something, yeah. So, uh, Craig, I wanted to bring this point though to you. Um, and it's an interesting point that I heard midweek anyway around the uh Man City and Real Madrid match. It seems to be a case that when Man City don't have control of the game, they sort of crumble. And after Real Madrid scored that first goal, Courtois said, we knew we were going to get a second, that he could just see it in the eyes of those players that they weren't themselves. Obviously, they had, as Anne alluded to, uh, Grealish had an opportunity as well to potentially kill off the game. It was unfortunate, but yeah, it, it feels like they seem to have this I don't know, aspects in their game where if they're not controlling the game, they don't know what to do. Um, whereas if I, I'm not going to say Wickham are better than Man City <laughs> in this respect, but if we were, for example, in a position where we're not having the ball, we're actually quite comfortable. And that's what Real Madrid do really well is when they don't have the ball, they're actually quite happy for the other team to kind of attack them. Whereas when it's Man City's turn to be on the back foot, they do really, I suppose almost overwork themselves to the point that they crumble. Um, what, what, do you think that's what they have to overcome if they're ever going to like excel, I suppose, and win a major trophy like the Champions League? Yeah, I think that there's, there's two points here. The first one that you make is a good one in that I don't think they ever, ever drill in training being in the back foot like that. I don't think that they, I don't think one minute of one training session a season have they ever drilled two back, two lines of four hold on mm. to the leader defender. I think it's all it's all control and passing. So I, I you're right, I think when they when a team starts to force them back and it's not a, a man city thing, I we've seen it with Pep's teams beforehand, when they are forced back into two banks of four, they don't look comfortable, they don't look very, very well drilled. I think the second thing as well is it's, it's not exclusively a man city thing. It's also with Pep's teams is because they're almost drilled to within an inch of their lives on exactly what he wants them to do. There's no, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of real opportunity for the players in the pitch to change a formation or to control each other. Now, in a position there, I would expect the captain to say, right, the next 10 minutes, guys, we're going to go two banks of four. We're going to sit in here. We're going to absorb this. We're going to ride mm -hmm. this, this wave out and go. But it, it just feels like they're so well drilled in, in Pep's image and he doesn't give them any control for any sort of real on-field decisions that when a team get one goal like that, they are very, very receptive to conceding a second and a third. And it feels like that is a team like you would expect a captain. Um, again, I'm not comparing Rangers to, <laughs> to Manchester yeah. either, but it's the kind of time you'd expect, you know, a, a, a Tavernier or a Conor Golden to say, I, I, I don't care what we spoke about at halftime or, or what we've been training on mm. all week. The next eight to ten minutes, guys, we're fucking camping in here. Yeah. And we're going to make that, we're going to close in the space. And I don't think Man City have got that ability in a game to to sort of 
you know, abandon the game plan a bit and, and shoot mm. up a defence. I just don't think they've got it because I don't think they've ever trained it. Um, yeah. And, that's, and I think if you to fix that, you know, Erling Haaland, if you like, and we might come on to him in a minute. Yeah. But if, but if you're if you're susceptible to 10 minutes of madness like that, you're not going to survive against these big, big teams. No, definitely. Anyway, I'm going to join Andy in the premise of saying that Real Madrid are going to win the final. Uh, are you feeling the same way, Craig? Uh, I I think Liverpool have got a tougher tie against Real Madrid than they would have done Man City. I think if it was Man City, yeah. I would have backed Liverpool, and I thought that. I thought Man City would beat Real Madrid. I think if you bet against Madrid, you're a very, very silly man. They just have got this, mm. um, this bounce-back ability just a way to win games and then Karen Benzema they've probably got the best number nine in the world at the moment um, mm. having the career of his life so yeah with, with guys like that who have been there done it um, got the t-shirt a manager who's exceptional experience been to yeah, I think he's been to three or four finals now he's um, yeah. probably one of the, the most experienced Champions League final managers of all time yeah, um, yeah I wouldn't put it past them I think it's going to be a brilliant game cannot wait I'm actually on a stag do that that day <laughs> and part of the stag do have actually booked somewhere to go and watch the football up in Glasgow. So um I'll be pretty drunk during it, but yeah, cannot cannot wait. And it's like yeah, like you guys said, we've already seen Man City play Liverpool three times this year. A fourth would have just been very, very boring. Um, but the fact that it's mm-hmm. Manchester City, and I again agree with Andy, I, I I don't want Liverpool to win it. That when they got yeah. to the final or Madrid qualified it was all this, we've got a score to settle bullshit from 2018, yeah. and it's just I, I was just, I would love them to get done. I'd love them to get done. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll go into Klopp's bitterness, but before we do that as well, I just thought how suave and sophisticated does Carlo Ancelotti seem with every game? Like, he seems to be so cool, even in the circumstances that they go behind. He just seems to be like, don't worry, these lads have got it. Like, he just does that little eyebrow that he does, like lifts his little eyebrow up and then <laughs> it's all done. But um, let's move on to the Premier League then. And I thought we'd start off with a comment from Stephen Cole, who said, surprised that Haaland has gone to City, seeing as Pep has a history of do not doing so well with headstrong footballers. He's kind of talks about the likes of Ibra and Eto to name a few. Um, but he does feel that obviously Haaland will eventually do well for City. Um, but it's a very interesting sort of transfer. It feels like that's what they needed probably last summer. But I, I personally have doubts about Haaland and whether he will excel. And I know the narrative for me anyway is that he's going to have to up his game. He's not allowed to have the tantrums that he had in the Bundesliga, for example. Um, but equally, I don't know about you guys whether you feel this way, but he almost feels like he's a player that is better when he's the big fish in a small pond, for example. Whereas here, there's loads of big names. Obviously, we know he can cope on big nights potentially, but actually there's going to be a different kind of pressure that he's used to at Dortmund, for example, and in his previous clubs. So, Andy, what, what's your thoughts on this particular transfer? I mean, it's the worst, I suppose, also, it's the worst kept secret in football. We knew, mm. you know, I think with Chelsea's issues into the Open, there was only one club that was only that was going to be able to afford because his transfer fee is quite low by all accounts. Yeah. But when you factor in the Viola fee, if he still gets it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, <laughs> you, but you've got his, um, you know, his dad, which apparently wants like a twenty million pound fee or, or something like that. Some of like the additional fees are absolutely ludicrous. Uh, I think, it, but I think 
Stephen's right. I do find it hard to see how he fit into Pep's system. Like Harry Kane last year, if that mood had gone through, he'd have been a perfect striker for Pep mm. because he could drop in, he could play one, two touch. You know, he's got the passing range as good as any sort of midfield, you know, as good as a, pretty much any midfielder in the Premier League. Um, and he could finish. I think he would have added a lot more, um, you know, to his, you know, Contributed a better all-round game, whereas mm. with, with Haaland, he's um, his forte is very much just scoring goals. And you can argue that City do need somebody that uh, could just bang in, you know, those sweaty goals in the six-yard box and uh, get behind the lines, and you know that uh, give him a real good threat in terms of like, a quick, fluid, you know, vertical counter-attack. Um, so I think from that side of it, I can see why they've bought him. But it depends what Pep is going to um, want from him, really. You know, is mm. he going to have to spend a lot of time with the training ground working on his, uh, you know, one or two touch play and, you know, adjusting to how Manchester City uh, play football? And I think the best example of that you can think of Ibrahimovic. He was another yeah. striker who, you know, scored goals wherever he's been. Um, and started quite well at Barcelona, if you remember in that like 9 10 season. Uh, but he fell out with um fell out with Pep because he didn't go about things the way that he, mm. he wanted to. And I think that's the thing with uh there's a lot of baggage and that comes with him as well. Um mm. he is pro twos, he is temper, you know, he goes out on the sesh a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know. I do find it funny that he, um, when Norway played a World Cup qualifier recently, they were like, you know, say, um, you know, say no to anti-human rights. That that T-shirt yeah. your war, and, and um, now he's going to um, Abu Dhabi, Manchester City. So I think it could go very, very Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I think the expectation is going to go there and hit 40, 50 goals, but he's had a lot of injuries this season. I don't think mm-hmm. it's been his best season for Dortmund. Um, you know, he's not that great in the air considering the size of person that he is. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, Lukaku's another one. He's a prime example of where he is a 20, 30 goal a season striker if you create the team to play around him. And I'm not necessarily mm. sure Pep's going to do that, much like Tuchel hasn't done that for uh, Lukaku. Yeah. What about you, Craig? Obviously, there's going to be better defenders that he's going to have to face on a week-to-week basis. So, again, do you think that'll be a contributing factor? Yeah, I think we talk. I think he's had a lot of injuries this season. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Oh, you put really it down sure. to the, you put it down to injuries. I, I I don't think I think he could have played more games than he has. Let's just mm. I'll just say that. But listen, we just got to a Europa League final. Um and how was injured for the two, two legs. So <laughs> I'm not complaining. So well done, son. That was a yeah, good time off. It's really hard to say because on paper it looks like an absolute masterstroke. It looks like the number nine they're waiting for, all these mm. chances that are going to be served up on a plate, he's just gonna yeah, 50 goals, he's gonna rewrite the books. But we all sat here 12 months ago saying Lukaku looks like a great fit for Chelsea. It's everything he needs, a final piece of the puzzle, and it's just not, yeah, it's just not, (laughs) it's just not happened. So it's interesting. I think, yeah, Ibrahimovic and and Eto are good examples because they were quite, they were quite senior, senior players Mm. when when Pep had them, and they were absolutely not interested in in following his philosophy. I wonder if he thinks, you know, Haaland's young enough now that I can kind of mould him into what I want. Yeah. But, Adam, you're also right. Is that 
the, uh, all we've seen from Erling Haaland right now has been the absolute focal point. Everything goes to him. Every, the entire team is set up for him to be successful, and rightly so because he's a phenomenal mm. striker. And you and, and you be and you know. 99% of the teams in the world would do that for him. That yeah. won't happen at Manchester City. He's going to have to, to share playing time. He's going to have to play a different position. He's going to have to learn to play differently. So will he be as effective in that Pep system than what he is now? Um, mm. We just don't know. We just don't know. Or, or is Pep Guardiola going to, going to change the way his team play to accommodate what is a generational talent? He's, you know, we said it before, the next, the next 10, 15 years are going to be all about Erling Haaland and what records he breaks. I think he is, he's an absolute generational talent. And will they, will they ship up to, to him? But again, he wouldn't have won in the Champions League this year, even if he was in that team, mm. because there's some there's some mentality problems there as well. But I'm really excited he's got to join the Premier League. I think it's great for the league. Um, the sponsors will love it. He's, he's already yeah. a, bit of a, a bit of a fan's favourite all around the world. Um, yeah, can't wait to see him... Um, in the Premier League, yeah, very, very exciting. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to our continued Liverpool slagging off and we'll uh, go into the <laughs> Premier League roundup by uh, talking about Klopp's bitterness. In particular, obviously, Liverpool didn't get the result that they wanted. So over the weekend, they drew one all against Spurs. Uh, just about got a result last night against Aston Villa. But um, yeah, thinking about back to that Spurs result, um, obviously, I felt Spurs were a bit unlucky. I appreciate that they didn't necessarily play total football as the way Klopp kind of alluded to, that they had a bit more class than uh, the style of football that they played. But why should Spurs bend over backwards and let Liverpool, you know, outbeat them in terms of technicality? And um, obviously, I had a very interesting conversation with a Liverpool fan at work. So hello, Gersh. Um, But his thoughts were that this is no different to likes of Jose Mourinho, who likes to deflect from the team around the result itself. So he kind of alluded to the fact that, yes, they didn't do a great result against Spurs, um, but they are lagging. They are, you know, what he alluded to was the fact that he was deflecting deliberately. However, it definitely felt like he's got a bit of an agenda uh, when it doesn't go his way. And Andy, I know you love this topic quite a lot. You've uh, spoken about this before. So I'll let you carry on banging that little drum, a different drum this time, not the Trent Alexander drum, but this drum. So, uh, <laughs> I just let, revisiting a different this. drum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. It's not, like I said, it's not really news. I think, you know, mm. there's no deny that Klopp's an absolutely fantastic manager um, and he's done wonders with Liverpool and, you know, nine times out of ten, we do blow teams away. But... I'm not sure really what he was expect- expecting going up against an Antonio Conte team. I really don't. Yeah. Like, I don't, I just don't understand on what level you'd expect an Antonio Conte team to just go all guns blazing. Um, and, I, you know, I know he'd obviously prefer if teams went at them because they're so effective with the counter attack. But it's, um, you can't just complain just because a team plays a different brand of football to you. And he's, mm. like I said, he's made a habit of doing that in the past uh, where teams just sit back and shit house a draw. And I think, um, I think a lot of it's just a high stakes. You know, Liverpool with that type, with Liverpool and Manchester City at the moment, a draw is a terrible result. Like anything, you know, mm. I, I know Craig will feel the same about the 
when it comes to the two old firm teams, even the draw yeah. is unacceptable. Like even the draw has your fans questioning your decision making and your players and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's not like you could just shake it off at this stage of the season and go, ah, we'll be all right next time. You know, they've got a seven goal worse difference at Liverpool, uh, then sorry, um, mm. in Man City at the moment, and they're three points behind with two games to play. So, you know, it is a costly, for me, quite a costly result mm. for them. Um, and I think it's just maybe the stress of the occasions getting to them a little bit. Uh, so I think that's all that is. Mm. Craig, if we go to a different topic, you did rightly predict that Leeds were going to be dragged into the relegation fight, uh, unlike Adi Huto, who was still waiting to be sacked uh, from his role <laughs> at Monge Gladbach. But um, if we focus on Leeds, uh, it seems to be getting even worse by the game at the moment. And it seems like I didn't realise, but the record was brought up over the weekend about them having the highest amount of bookings in one season. It obviously escalated with the Arsenal match with uh, Rafinha, who wanted to get sent off, and Luke Ayling, who did get sent off. Um, but even last night, we also saw Daniel James join that list of uh, suspensions <laughs> as well. Not, so, yeah. I mean, it's just, I do feel sorry for Jesse Marsh because not only has he got lots of injuries, he's then got these suspensions. They haven't got a lot of games to go. It does look like Burnley are going to be the side that potentially will be fighting for that last spot as it currently stands because Everton seems to be pulling themselves out of it. But it just seems to be getting worse and worse for Leeds, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I thought I thought they would get beat off of Arsenal. I, I fancied Everton at the weekend. Um, and then, yeah, last night, I mean, to, to lose Stuart Dallas at the weekend through injury, which looked like a really, really nasty one, mm. key player. Um, and to have two two players sent off, it's, it's the last thing you need. Um, your experienced guys to not be playing in these games, but they just they just look shit out of form, shit out of confidence. They just they, they just don't know. I don't know where the wins are coming from at the moment. I fancied Burnley to actually beat Villa at the weekend, but Villa were pretty good for a change. Mm. Um, but at least look in the shit. Does Jesse Marsh stay there next year? I've not been massively impressed to be honest, and I think this may sound a bit anti-american but some of his stuff he comes out with as well is just super super cheesy and he's saying that i've got the guys listening to muhammad ali quotes and gandhi quotes and thinking <laughs> this isn't a fucking disney teen movie mate like this is this is um what was it he said when he played liverpool this is the the best team in the world playing the best club in the world and i'm thinking fuck me mate that's uh, yeah. you're in yorkshire you're in yorkshire they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna swallow that that Fucking Disney bullshit. Um, but yeah, they need to get real fast. See it seriously. Everton seem to be um, against all odds, pulling it together. A couple of strange results. They got a, a decent draw again last night at Leicester. Um, Burnley, I think I've got another one or two points in them, but I just cannot see Leeds. Can't see Leeds doing it, um, mm. which is unfortunate because you know I think they're actually quite a, quite a good club, and I do watch them playing. Enjoy watching them playing sometimes, but. Yeah, I think there are. I said my prediction last week. I think I think they're going to join um, Watford and Norwich. So we'll see them all through the next season. So not too long to wait. Mm. Andy, we might as well bring up Man United. Um, obviously, it felt like the end of the season game uh, against Brighton. Uh, you guys losing four 0 here, but for me, not only was the result really bad, it kind of highlighted like the whole thing around Man United and why it's gone so terribly wrong. Because even Moses Casido, who was written off by your transfer scouting department, uh, you know, scores a goal against you guys. Um, 
yeah, but I think that result and the actual performance by the players was embarrassing. I've never seen a gutless performance in such a long time. I appreciate you probably have, and you're probably enlightened by yesterday where the youth team actually turned out and put in a decent performance. But yeah, going back to the actual first team, I mean, we, we joked even on our WhatsApp group about the fact that relegation could be a good choice to get rid of these players because <laughs> um, we joked about the Schalke aspect. But um, yeah, there's not too many kind of words that we can talk about Man United at the moment, is there? No, not particularly. It's been that way for weeks. I think apart from Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe to a slightly lesser extent, Anthony Alanga, there hasn't been a single mm. Manchester United player in any anything resembling good form at the moment. Um, and much like what happened last year, that, you know, Harry Maguire has been taken out of the team and, he, you know, he's been used as almost like the poster boy of me- mediocrity. And although he's had a poor season, you've seen over the past few weeks, he's far from the only culprit. Um, you know, I think Dallo and Tellers has got to the worst fullback pairing I've ever seen. <laughs> They cannot defend yeah. to save their lives. I don't understand, you know, 12-year-old virgins on Twitter hyping up for um, <laughs> Dallo because he looks somewhat competent dribbling the football. Like, honestly, like, he had Cucurella uh, running at him all day and he didn't get near him once. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest he got to try to, you know, he more or less got an assist for Brighton's um, fourth goal. Um, Tellers is a much better, like he's a good, he's quite, he's okay going forward and he's quite good at delivering a set piece and it makes him probably look better than he is, but uh, they're both, both absolutely dreadful. I thought Raphael Varane, I think he's had, he's not, he's been difficult for him to put other games together this season and he looked absolutely woeful um, and he's one there, if he, if he continues uh, the way he's playing, he won't be going to. He won't be going to Qatar in twenty two and two. I can guarantee you that. Mm. If you saw the highlights, I mean, especially for the second goal, uh, the lead up to the second goal, he just was in no man's land. Like you know, basic balls in behind, he has the pace to deal with. He just didn't. Um, yeah. You know, and I think when the lineup came out, I was just very, very uninspired because a lot mm. of these players are going to be leaving. You know, none of the youngsters were included in the squad. Um, and I think fans are just crying out for a bit of fresh blood, you know, a team for the people that try. Um, you know, I think McTominay had a very, very poor game. Um, mm. There's people, you know, and you, you have to sort of look at it quite cold-heartedly. As much as he has passion that you go, well, okay, would someone like Scott McTominay start for, a, mm. I don't know, a top eight Premier League club. I don't know what you guys think, but I'd find it difficult. I remember watching the Wolves game mm. earlier in the season with um, you know, Ruben yeah. Neves and Giammatini, I think. Would he get in that team? I don't think he would. No. And I think, I think he's probably, but is he Spurs level? Maybe if that, that, maybe if maybe that maybe I think, yeah, you push. I wouldn't have uh, is that West Ham. I think he's, is he, is he a West Ham level player. That's where I would sort of pitch it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And that's with the amount of money that's been spent on the squad. You've got Juan Mata, who's played like a couple of games all season, suddenly in the starting mm. lineup. Like, yeah. what do you expect to happen? Um, yeah. And I think this, there's nothing wrong really with losing games as such, as much as it is an ideal. Yeah. It's just the manner in which you do it. Um, yeah. Pretty much all of the players have checked out um, and don't want to be, you know, they either know that they're leaving, they don't want to be there. Um, and yeah, I think that's where the fan, as a, as a fan, that's where the frustration is because 
you know they're mm. not putting in 100% effort and they yeah. haven't been for months. And I think that's where, you know, Ralph Randick Reigns has been a disaster because as much as people are saying he's bought into, you know, look behind the scenes at the club and all that kind of stuff, yeah, you're right. But ultimately, he was bought in. I'm pretty sure when he was bought in in December, the minimum expectation would have been to get into the Champions League because yeah. I look at where we are now and I genuinely don't think we would have been any worse off if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had stayed in charge. I really, mm. really don't. Um, you know, in hindsight, you might as well just kept on the on to the end of the season, take the heat and then bought in Ten Hag. Um yeah because there's been no visible difference in performances. Uh, mm. So, yeah, and I think, but what was good, you know, obviously the, it's been 10 years, um, 11 years since you won the FA Youth Cup. Uh, there's some really good young lads coming through, like uh, you've got, got Alejandro Garnacho, just made it, made his debut for Argentina. Mm. You scored twice in the, uh, the FA Youth Cup, because not in good forest. You've got the likes of Shaw Tire, McNeil. There's some really talented youngsters coming through. And a fact came out that in every single FA Youth Cup winning squad that Manchester United have had, this is about 11 times, they've had at least one player that has gone on mm. to make 80-plus appearances. So there's obviously a good core of youth there. Mm. And I think the fact they they sold out, they had that yes. sold, yeah. sold I mean, they're selling good cheap, like, but 70,000 fans turned up to support the youths. And I think uh, that's probably where the hopes are going in the future. And I think that's a good thing as well. I think, you know, Tag Hog, he gets to walk into that Old Trafford dressing room as a multiple title winner. I mean, just come off the back of winning something. So I think that'll be a positive. And I think me, along with probably any other Manchester United fan, just want the season to end. Uh, mm. The quicker, the better. And the quicker we can get into the business of, you know, getting these fucking charlatans out the door and bringing in new players. Well, you've just timed it nicely, Andy, to finish your rant because it is now 3-0 to Spurs <laughs> as we speak. And it does oh, seem like it's uh, potentially a hat-trick for Harry Kane. So, And I think that is half-time as well. So that nicely allows us to move on and talk about some Serie A. Ah, so, uh, Craig, uh, a lot did take place over the weekend, but we also had yesterday's result as well. So the Coppa Italia were into 1-4-2 after extra time. Um, some debatable calls around some penalties. Uh, but if we start off with the league, um, yeah, Friday we saw Inter almost cheating themselves because they were losing at one point to Empoli 2-0 at home, but they brought it back to 4-2 win. Uh, we also saw Cruchetto, who uh, redeemed himself from the previous week. He scored a 90-plus six-minute penalty this time to give them a 2-1 win against Juventus, which was interesting because we not only saw a lot of pressure on Vlaovic, who has gone prior to yesterday's game anyway, five games without a goal. So there was a lot of pressure on him. But also Juventus's performance. I don't know if you saw some of the misses there, Craig, but Moses Keane, if you haven't seen it, please watch it because somehow he misses it from three yards out, um, <laughs> even though he's been put on the plate. Um, but yeah, interestingly, we also saw AC Milan keep the pressure at the top of the table, winning 3-1 against Hellas Verona. And in the battle at the bottom, it gets even more juicier because Venezia won against Bologna 4-3, which uh, Sinsema Hailovic went 
apeshit because there was a penalty decision that didn't go his way. And Salinatana, uh, basically, they've got it all in their hands. And it looks like Matsari can now be sacked without being given a contract extension mm-hmm. as it currently stands because uh, they have now dropped into the relegation places. Um, but if we start off with your club, uh, Craig, Roma lost 2-0 nicely to set themselves up for the final of the Europa League or Europa Conference, should I say, sorry. Um, they lost 2-0 to Fiorentina, which now brings up this really tight battle for sixth place now that yeah. I've seen because it's Roma, Fiorentina and Atalanta on the same points um, total, but it's down to goal difference, which interestingly, Atalanta have got plus 20, yet the likes of yourselves on 12 and Fiorentina on nine. So a lot did take place over the weekend. Um, Where do you want to start? Uh, I think, let's just start with Juventus. Um, Where do they go from here? Because Mm. Allegri coming back in, it has arguably been worse than it was under Pirlo or under Sarri. They just just seem absolutely bang out of of ideas. Um, The Vajovic honeymoon is is well and truly over and the Juventus fans are starting to turn. I think they they thought, and we did on the pod actually, had a sneaky outside chance of maybe maybe reaching it and Mm. maybe winning this and pipping it, but miles away from it in the end and you've got to really worry about them next season because they're not a cash-rich club. Dybala, by all accounts, is going to enter Milan. So that's a, a done deal. Um, so yeah, they, I think they're going to really, really struggle for the next two or three seasons unless something drastically changes over there. Um, Roma need to wake up. And, and now, like, yeah. 10 days ago, you're sat there thinking, oh, finish in fifth comfortably, Europa League next year. Mm. Uh, don't worry about it. And they're almost doing a bit of a Leicester City where it's just sleepwalking they're not even sleepwalking, they're, they're limping towards this and they're bit, be really careful because I think in Serie A, 7th gets you the Conference League and 8th gets you nothing. So mm. if they don't win the Conference League and, and were to finish 8th, an example, then there could be absolutely nothing for them, which would be an absolute disaster from where they were three, four weeks ago. So yeah, Roma needs to wake up. The, the title race is, yes, Milan's to lose now. I'm just looking at the table. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two, two points with, with two games to go. So I think that's in their hands. And then one of my games of the weekend, um, I'll spoil it, I've got Calgary at home to, to enter. Yeah. So that's a game that could have huge implications at both both ends of the table. Um, but yeah, Calgary, I think I think they might upset into tomorrow at the weekend and potentially uh, finish this off. Ooh, that's, that's an interesting take. I wasn't expecting you to say that because actually I thought the game of the weekend, again, I'll spoil it, it is for me, Atalanta taking on AC Milan. Now, if there's a chance for AC Milan to slip up, it is this in is this that. match because, yeah. you know, the next match that Milan have got to play is Sassuolo. Now, Sassuolo are a bit like the Watford. They're on the beach right now. They don't yeah. care right now. They're safe. They won't do anything right now. But yeah, if there's a game that they're going to slip up, it's Atalanta for that reason that I did say that they are also trying to get into that top six mix right now. And if there's a game that, you know, even not necessarily beat Milan, but get a draw, I actually fancy Inter to beat Calgary, which then goes into the last game of season where then, interestingly for Inter, they take on Sampdoria. Now, Sampdoria... They are playing. Who are they playing now? Uh, they are at home on Monday night to Fiorentina, another team that are obviously trying to get into that mix. Now, 
I think they need at least a minimum of a point or three points to starve off relegation fears right now as it currently stands because they're not clear. Neva Spezia, for example. Um, but yeah, as it currently stands, if it goes to the last day of the season, obviously you've got this interesting dynamic of Inter having to beat <coughs> Sampdoria, Sampdoria having to win potentially to stay up. Um, so that will be a very tight game, potentially. I appreciate Sampdoria aren't as good as Inter, but I, I think it might even go to the last game of the So season. I'll, I'll make a prediction then. So I, I, was right with Leeds, I was right with Leeds last week. I predict yeah. that AC Milan will beat Atlanta this weekend okay. and Ro, um, Inter will draw with Calgary and I predict AC Milan will win the title this weekend. I might check, I might just check the odds on that. that yeah, yeah, I was going to say, uh, let's get the odds I on might, that. I might just check the odds it. on that. And I might, I might stick a wee five on that because it would be very, very inter to just, yeah, to draw in Cali, like I've said. Mm. With the Premier League, you don't want to be playing teams like this this time of season. The Swallows and the Crystal Palaces, those mid-table guys, they're on the beach, slippers on, yeah, give it them all day long. You do not want to be playing teams at the bottom who are absolutely scrapping for it. And I think... Yeah, Inter, I believe Inter mm. are away from home. Yes, they are just checking six of my notes. They're away yeah. from home, hostile on Sunday afternoon. I, I've got a sneaky feeling that it might be wrapped up this weekend. But mm. um, don't, don't, please don't bet based on what I think. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, Disclaimer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Based on AD Hutter anyway. Um, but yeah, also on that point around the Juventus, I, I don't know where Allegri goes from here because like, yeah. I think he's hiding behind the premise of unfair decisions for example he blamed yesterday on the decision making even though they were leading for the majority of that match and they decided to put five at the back they brought on Bonucci from the bench as well to kind of shore up that defense um it cost them ultimately um but Vlaovic has also been you know on the uh, performance against Genoa he was bought off uh with like seven minutes ago and that's where obviously Genoa go on to get a winner and you know yeah for me, Vlavic probably is now starting to think, is, did he make the right move? You know, he saw the dollar signs, right? But ultimately, when you're talking about footballing-wise, Allegri's style of football wasn't great. It wasn't pretty on the eye. Um, and Juventus are actually worse than they were under Pirlo. A bit like Man United scenario with Solskjaer. They were actually better off with potentially Pirlo. You know, they weren't actually that bad. I think there was a lot of hype around the fact that they weren't performing. But actually, you look at it, they actually at least won a Coppa Italia last season with Pirlo. They're obviously better points position than they were under Allegri. And I don't feel like Juventus have actually, you know, flourished under Allegri. They've not actually done any better. Um, and the worry is, who can they attract? Because there's a lot of players that I don't think are good enough at Juventus. But equally, who can they attract? Because I don't think any of the top players are wanting to go to Juventus. No unless it's just Champions League football. That's the only thing that I can maybe say that might be appealing. Yeah, you think you look at like the likes of Lacazette, that's the kind of player I could end up seeing at Juventus. But type player, players like that, yeah, I can I can just see it that they're, they're going out, they're shopping, you're right, they're now starting to shop in the level above the top tier, the real top mm. tier of players. Um, yeah, why would you want to go and play under Allegri at Juventus? It's just stifling... Um, horrible, yeah. horrible football, and not a nice place to play. Interestingly, Skybet, you're getting uh, 17 to 2 on that. 
Okay. Um, other other betting partners are available. Uh, <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting sent to doing that. So I think that's worth a fiver. Uh, I might put a wee fiver on that this weekend. And see, I see think it, it should be called Craig Rogers Betting Corner or something like that. So yeah, <laughs> should definitely have that associated with the pods at some point. Um, anyway, let's go into the weekend preview. So we have got uh, some really interesting games, as I alluded to, but I'll quickly just run off through a few and then we'll go to Andy to see if he can add any further. So on Friday, we have got Luton versus uh, Huddersfield. Appreciate it's not the high caliber game, but that's the only thing you've got on Friday. So, you know, enjoy it. Then on Saturday, yeah, basically. <laughs> then on Saturday, we've got Leverkusen versus Freiburg. Now, obviously, it looks like Leverkusen have secured third spot, but it's for the fourth spot that is going to be interesting in Bundesliga. So, if you fancy that, we've also got the uh, other tie in the semi-final of the championship, which is Sheffield United versus Nottingham Forest, which I think could be an interesting match there. We've obviously got the FA Cup final, so Chelsea versus Liverpool. But if going to Sunday, there's a host of games, but I'm going to just pick one. And for me, obviously, in addition to Milan versus Atalanta, I'm going to go for West Ham versus Man City because I think that could be a genuinely interesting match between those two sides. Um, so, yeah, Andy, any games that the listeners and viewers should take note of? Yeah, so um, over in uh, Luxembourg, uh, you've got <laughs> <laughs> you've got well, at the Luxembourg update for a little while. So you got to do the lodge, uh, three points clear at the top, but they have um, bot- they have bottled a couple of games recently, losing two out of the past five. Um, you got full extra uh, playing a Union Titus or Titus, however you pronounce it, uh, right yeah. on their heels. Uh, do the you know do the launch. Um, I've got Han Benfica, um, who are right at the arse end of the table, having played twenty eight yeah. games, won one, drawn one, and lost twenty six. So um, right. yeah, there are USC Florestry. Uh, yeah, we love an underdog on the pod. So yeah, that's what is happening um, in Luxembourg. Okay, and Craig, what are your fixtures for this weekend? I picked out two Saturday, two Sunday. So my Saturday will have a very German feel to it. I've picked out two games. Mm. One I've picked out first is Dortmund versus Hertha, and the second one is Stuttgart versus Cologne. Now, the reason I picked those two out is that Stuttgart are second from bottom in the Bundesliga and Hertha mm. are third from the bottom in the Bundesliga. Now, if Hertha go to Dortmund and get a point, they will avoid the playoff relegation and they will stay in the Bundesliga this season. If they get beat at Dortmund, which if you've watched Hertha Berlin, that is entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, and Stuttgart beat Cologne, Stuttgart have a will be level on points with Hertha, but a better goal difference and will leapfrog them and drop Hertha into the relegation playoff. So those two games will be very, very interesting. The Bundesliga, and that's what I'll be watching on Saturday afternoon towards the bottom of the table. Uh, and the two on Sunday, the Inter versus Cali, we've spoken about it. I think that might be where the title is wrapped up. But also, I've also picked out uh, Leeds versus Brighton. I think this is up for Leeds now. It's do mm. or die. I think if they don't beat Brighton, um, I think that'll be them. It's a good chance to get a couple of points, hopefully. Um but that's my my four games. Uh, Rangers are playing early on Saturday, so get that out of the way. Uh, the yeah. nervousness, and then you can watch some football and enjoy myself. Yeah, no. And on that Hertha Berlin point, uh, I think it's been widely uh, forgotten about. But Felix uh, Felix Magat is the manager at Hertha Berlin. So yeah, the eighty-year-old Felix Magat. I was in I was in Berlin last week, and I bought a Hertha Berlin shirt. And then I remember, okay. I went, fuck, the the season that Schalke went down, I bought a Schalke shirt. 
<laughs> if I now doomed this team to the this, this Vita Bundesliga by, by yeah. buying a shot, so I'm watching that. Fingers crossed that having Jinx to Munich maybe stay in the Bundesliga for one more year. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. So uh, we come to the end of the pod. So many thanks to Craig and Andy for your contributions. As ever, listener, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our social media channels. So on uh, Instagram at the Hopeless Wonder Podcast and on Twitter at Hopeless Pods. Have a great week or weekend whenever you're listening to us. But for now, take care and we'll see you at next week's episode. Take care, everyone. 